Today on the podcast, well, a lot of stuff. COVID-19, of course, uh, coronavirus, Wuhan virus, whatever you want to call it, is the big topic. Uh, we have, of course, Pat Gray on to talk about, um, <laughs> I mean, he makes a good point. Remember when we used to mock preppers all the time? I mean, not us, but mock preppers were mocked kind of constantly, and uh, they kind of seem to be in a good position now. We talk about that, and the idea that price gouging, is it a positive or a negative? I'm going to say I think it's a positive. We'll go into that tonight on Stu Does America, my show. Uh, you can get it on YouTube, or if you click over right now in this podcast app, search for Stu Does America, and click subscribe. It's the easiest thing to do, and you'll be helping kittens in a foreign country. Um, we'll talk about that today. Also, uh, the coronavirus update, all the stats, how is this progressing, and are we going in the right direction or not? Plus, a lot of people are at home with their kids trying to figure out what to do with them. We have a very extensive list on not only games you can play, but how to actually deal with a sort of a major change in your life that may be going on. It's all today on the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. So shall we begin with our coronavirus update? Total confirmed cases worldwide up from 171,000 yesterday to 185,461. Total confirmed deaths worldwide, 7,332, up from 651. Uh, total confirmed recoveries worldwide now 79,000. That's only up a couple uh, thousand from yesterday, but at least it's up. S- 162 countries also now have confirmed cases. That's uh, that's up four new countries. Three more now have suspected cases. Six percent of active cases are now considered serious. This is great. Six percent down from seven yesterday, down from 19 percent just three weeks ago. The U.S. now has 4,743 confirmed cases and 93 deaths. That's up almost 1,000 cases and 69 deaths just yesterday. Only West Virginia does not have at least one active case. In the U.S., only West Virginia. That's remarkable. So, the economy or lives... This is what we have to pick now. In a script that's playing out in similar fashion all over the world, governments are forced to pick between saving lives and economic activity. The U.S. and Western economies are particularly impacted, especially in the U.S. 70% of our total economic activity is generated via consumer spending. We are the world's buyer. They're the producers. We're the buyers. When we stay at home... The whole world, when the world, you know, they used to say when the United States catches a a cold or sneezes, the rest rest of the world catches the cold. Um, This is a real problem. And across the U.S., small businesses appear to be the hardest hit, especially those that directly serve customers, such as bars and restaurants and dry cleaners. Those are closing down now. A a study from uh, Case Western University estimates now that nearly 50% of service jobs in the U.S. are going to be impacted with as many as a million jobs lost in the next 30 days. Stu, how's this going to affect the election? (laughs) I mean, heavens. Who knows, right? I mean, it's it's, it's a massive, massive change in... Yeah, some of the projections look like there's a recession that doesn't bounce back until 2021. 
So that means the election is occurring in the midst of a recession. And that doesn't usually work out well for the incumbent, if that's the case. Of course, obviously, things can change. But that's if that is the case and we wind up seeing massive, massive effects like that. I mean, it is going to change the face of the election uh, without a doubt. Mm. We are um, we're seeing healthcare system capacity um, be flooded around the world. If there are no protective measures, it floods almost immediately. They've been saying, you know flatten the curve we have to find a way to flatten the curve that's what everybody is is trying to do um when you flatten the curve by washing your hands uh by staying at home social distancing you can get this down to a fatality rate of one percent or less if you don't take protective measures the case fatality rate is two or three percent and you overwhelm the healthcare system. Now, this is a problem because we are looking at a uh, a healthcare system that is the best in the world. You have private businesses now coming in and uh, stepping to the plate. It's not the government; it's the private business that is stepping to the plate to help serve uh, and take care of this problem. But you, at the same time, have now 60% of Democrats say they have a more favorable view of universal health care and socialized medicine than they did just three weeks ago. So people on this are moving towards socialism. Italy has both a nationalized system and a private system. Well, had. The government just took over all private hospitals, all private medical facilities. They just nationalized them. I, I warn you, nationalization uh, is coming, and we have to be very careful. We are, we are entering the most dangerous uh, phase of our republic, I think, in my lifetime. Um, this is going to either destroy us, or it will give us a chance to reset and uh, renew. But... Uh, you know, when you're looking at some of the things that are coming out of Washington right now, what was the one you just said to me, Stu? There was Romney was offering a thousand dollars for every American, which is basic universal income. We don't want that. Um, but there's another basic universal income that's being shopped around. Yes, you're talking about the Emergency Family Relief Act of 20 yeah that's it yes it's got family uh, in it it's got and emergency mm-hmm. so it's got to be good it's got to be good and relief mm-hmm. so it's got yes. all it's got great things in there uh this is coming from josh hawley again it seems like one of the strategies here from republicans is to kind of uh outdo the spending of the democrats here as a uh, you know as far as a stimulus goes um nobody wants to be herbert hoover i guess not um so this is the romney plan was with a thousand dollars per person this is fourteen hundred and forty six dollars uh, for a family of three, seventeen hundred and eighty-six dollars for a family of four, and two thousand two hundred and six dollars for a family of five would be basically a cash payment until the coronavirus emergency uh, ends. However, whatever that uh-huh. exactly means. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Could you could you read that last line again? It lasts until when? Uh, till the coronavirus uh, emergency would end. Do me a favor, Stu. I'm going to give some good news here. Would you just look up? Uh, National emergencies still in effect. 
I think people might be surprised by this. All right. Here's some good news. U.S. is testing the first of its kind vaccine. The Blaze reported nearly two weeks ago that there's a new kind of experimental vaccine that is now entering human trials. The vaccine is unique that it, in the way that it doesn't use a live virus that is used in traditional vaccines. This is really good. Rather, the new approach is to synthetically construct an RNA strand that copies the genetic code of the virus to teach human cells to produce antibodies. The viruses work by taking over human cells and turning each cell into a virus-producing factory, which is how they replicate. The synthetically produced RNA strand used in the new vaccine does not self-replicate, but it should still activate antibody production. Researchers warned that even if the human trials started this week and are successful, it still may be 18 months before the vaccine would be in you know, the CVS. But 18 months is the fastest by far anyone has been able to put this out. The Trump administration vowed Monday all barriers would be removed to accelerate testing and production if successful. So now all non-essential businesses are, are being considered at closing them down. But who defines what an essential business is? Tom Cotton, an Arkansas Republican, said the United States must shut down all but essential businesses and government agencies to stop the spread of the coronavirus. The time has come for extraordinary measures to combat the Chinese coronavirus, Cotton tweeted. Oh, what a racist. Uh, it seems extreme today, but it will seem obvious tomorrow. Cotton, chairman of the Economic Policy Subcommittee for the Senate Banking Committee, said he's drafting legislation that would give cash, cash stipends to workers and their families. This is what we were just talking about. Shelter is now in place uh, in six counties in California. More expected today, over 7 million Californians have been ordered to a shelter and to shelter in place at home for three weeks. The order is effective as of midnight last night. Residents are uh, allowed to outside to walk, to acquire food, medicine from local stores, or to travel to medical appointments. All non-essential activity outside the home is effectively now illegal. Although law enforcement are being asked to practice patience and provide guidance and warnings rather than arrest people who refuse to comply. Similar house arrest orders are being considered throughout the county and elsewhere in California, including Alameda County, L.A. County, Orange County. In total, including similar acti uh, activity restrictions in Washington, New York, Pennsylvania, and other locations, an estimated 30 million Americans are currently experiencing some degree of travel or activity restrictions. So far, the ACLU's only response to COVID-19 is a strongly anti-Trump landing page, indicating that Trump will help lead the panic and asking uh, for donations to defeat him in November. That's of absolutely no help. By the way, we are just ahead of people. Everything that anybody says, oh, Donald Trump, he's not doing. He's ahead. Try this. European Union to close all borders to non-EU citizens. Uh, that sounds like what Donald Trump did last week where he was called a racist and, and, not, doing, and not doing the right things and just, and just trying to piss off all of our allies. This is what they just did. They wish they would have done it a week before Donald Trump announced it. Everything that he is doing seems to be all the things that the European Union does too late. The national supply chain is fine. 
But how to balance the local needs? Overall, plenty of food and medical supplies to stock America's store shelves when measured nationally. The challenge, however, for some markets is ensuring regional supply chains can keep up with the surge, uh, surge buying caused by local orders for residents to stay put for two to three weeks longer. Stores like Kroger, Walmart do have regionally located warehouses. Localized buying sprees as residents stock up for long stints at home can empty regional logistics facilities requiring retailers to shift stock from one region to another. We're all going to get it at some point. Please just be a thinking human being. That's all we have to do is just be decent and be a thinking human being. Stu, have you looked up those numbers for me? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, yeah. So we have we do have a couple in effect still. Um, you know, mm-hmm. from March 2020, the coronavirus, that's for under Trump. It was May, yeah, fi- yeah. May in 20, 2019 under Trump. Another in February mm-hmm. 2019 under Trump. Then uh, November 2018 under Trump. September 2018 under Trump. And December 2017 under Trump. Then you have yeah, those are those are all still in effect. Those, and are all uh, okay, but those aren't those aren't coronavirus emergencies. I thought we were just in this national emergency. Oh no, I thought you wanted the list of all of them that were still in effect. Oh no, I know. I was just thinking that mm. maybe there would be one or two. Well, there's a certainly more. We, there's November okay. 2015 from Obama, April 2015 from Obama, March 2015 from Obama, May 2014 from Obama, April 2014 from Obama, March 2014 from Obama. May 2012 from Obama, July 2011. What were these from Obama. national emergencies that were still in? They're still they still haven't stopped. What were were those in 2014, 2012? Well, I mean, do, I mean the, the the conflict in the Central African Republic is still going on. Oh, that's still going so on. Is, okay, so is so the, the a, situation in Burundi. Th- those were national emergencies here yeah. in the U.S. Those yep. were, in, yeah, situation in Burundi. The, uh, well, it was a national emergency here. And in Burundi. Okay. All right. It's a, okay. It's well, in both places. It's a national emergency. I know emergency. I was very affected in my household by Burundi. Um, July so. 2011 under Obama. February 2011 uh-huh. under Obama. April 2010 mm-hmm. under Obama. June mm-hmm. 2008 under Bush. August 2007 under Bush. October 2006 under Bush. June okay, these 2006. These are all this... These are all national emergencies that are still running. Still running. So the, the point the point is, because I'm sure you have just a couple of more. Yeah, May 2004 under Bush, May 2003 yeah. under Bush, March 2003 <laughs> under Bush, September 2001, of course, under Bush. Another yeah, but September there's, nothing, there's, there's nothing really old. August 17th, I mean, 2001, really. June 2001, November 1997, uh, March 96, October uh, 95, 95, 95, uh, 94. Uh, and then there's okay. one back here. Uh, so, November 14th, 1979 is the oldest. Okay, so 1979. The point is national emergencies never go away. They never go away. So any, any legislation that is passed while this national emergency continues must have the language changed. It must be changed and it must have sunsets in it like every 30 days, every 60 days. This will continue. Anything that is set up by this government will continue. We're not out of this national emergency because the next wave is the economic emergency. They can do anything under this national emergency. It must be phrased properly. And hopefully we have a few people in Congress that are aware of this. Don't fall for the, oh, sick family stuff. Don't fall for the, oh, it's a patriot thing. No, no, don't fall for it. 
the best of the Glenn Beck program. Dana Lash joins us. Dana Lash, one of the founding members uh, of the uh, Blaze and Blaze TV, is uh, joining us now. She's got a new book out called Grace Canceled, How Outrage is Destroying Our Lives, Ending Debate, and Endangering Democracy. Uh, She should know a little bit about this, uh, as she has probably received less grace than anybody uh, in the media in, in, uh, in quite some time. Welcome to the program. Dana, how are you? I'm doing well, Glenn. Good to talk with you. It's been a while. It's good to be on. I know. I know. Good to have you. Good to have you on the uh, program. I know you're from home. Are you quarantined now, self-quarantined at home? I am an introvert, so I am living in paradise right now. <laughs> and I just look at it like I'm a hobbit in my hobbit hole. And I am, I am grateful that I have a home studio and I'm able to do everything from my house. So I'm living right. my life. Right, and you you're going to church digitally, and yes, just kind of homeschooling the kids again. So, yeah, sort of. Going to church digitally is a new one for me. That that one took a little bit getting used to. We had our first digital service last Sunday. Um, the kids yeah. start there. My youngest starts his kind of work at home stuff tomorrow. And I, yeah. I mean, I know that there are parents out there that have, you were talking about your kids cleaning out the garage. I know there are parents out there that are doing stuff with their kids, and that's awesome. I mean, we're, we don't even know what day it is right now because my schedule is all disrupted. But, I um, know, it's no, crazy. So, so start, it'll be good. It, it's, yeah, it is yeah, nuts. We've, it's nuts. We've gone from, t- from Tanya driving the kids around to, you know, play practice and, and this, uh, you know, school and that event. And um, all the time, it's like she was a shuttle service um, and to do nothing. Like the kids are home and it's like, well, who is this creature in the other room? I, I don't recognize them. They're my children. It's mm-hmm. weird how fast things stopped. That things have stopped. And I kind of, I like that they're home, though. My oldest went off to college for the, I mean, he, he's a college freshman. He left this fall, this last fall. And so that was, that was awful. And I'm actually, this sounds, this sounds really bad, but I'm actually kind of grateful for the time. I feel like, you know, we get a little bit of extra time because I'm sure the world's going to shift back into high gear here soon. But I'm, you know, I'm happy that we kind of had this little period. I just, I, with all of the awfulness that's, that's happening with this virus and everything, I just, I feel like we're supposed to kind of take this time together and, and be a family and, and do stuff. And, and we play, you know, we, we play all kinds of stuff. We play games and, you know, I do my stuff for the day and then we have the evening. So it's nice. We play hide and go seek, except it's a new version. Uh, it's just called hide. <laughs> Don't seek. You hide. Don't okay, and then you're going to find us. <laughs> nope. Just go hide. Uh, so your, your your book is about grace, which uh, seems mm. really timely, especially with there's there's absolutely no grace extended to people anymore. There's no grace, especially extended to this president. Everything he does, he's ahead of the rest of the world. And he'll get bashed for it. And then, you know, when Europe today, they're making all kinds of announcements uh, that Europe is closing all of the borders and they're canceling all flights. And you can't if you're you're being called home. Well, that's what he did. And he was called all kinds of names for it. Now, when the rest of the world is doing it, they're brilliant. They're all brilliant. We should be more like them. Well, Mm. we were last week. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about grace in this in this time period 
No, I and I'm and I think that's right. And it's not just grace that's that's kind of missing. It's also the ability for society to forgive. There's a cancellation of forgiveness and an outright refusal of redemption. And I, I mean, I can't believe that we're we're even doing this during a pandemic. I mean, that seems to me that that would be the time that you would exhibit the most grace to your fellow man, that you would try to do the best you could to be a good steward. And instead, everybody's playing politics and they're really worried about what communist China thinks as it relates to their responsibility in spreading a pandemic. But um, it is. It's. It's. I. When I started writing this book, there were a couple of things that contributed to the idea of it. The first thing was the way my kids reacted to the Parkland Town Hall, and then the second thing was a Norm Macdonald interview because he's my absolute favorite comedian of all time. I think he's one of the smartest comedians out there. He's hysterical, and he had made a good point that he wasn't defending Roseanne Barr. He was saying, "Okay, she did something. Mm-hmm. She did something wrong." And she apologized and she's contrite. And where is the forgiveness? Isn't that kind of how this goes? And he was like, nobody wants to apologize anymore because nobody wants to forgive anybody. And I thought that's exactly right. And it, it contributes to this polar tribalization because it's not about persuading people. It's about utterly destroying them. It's more of an politics now is more of an exercise of the ego than it is actually trying to move the ball down the field and advocate for one's issues. And so that's, that's how the book started. And I, I get into all of it. I talk about the death of nuance, how political conversation is incredibly stupid now. And of course there's the milkshake death and rage mobs chapter. And I get into the uh, media's role as well. So it's, there's, there's a lot in it. And I, I mean, it usually, I, and I didn't want to write it, but I ended up writing it. I, it, I, it was something that I pitched and I came up with and then I regretted it like, you know, two thirds of the way in. Um, but Why? It, Why? Um, Oh, because it, the premise is being tested and I was mad about it. I didn't want to write it. I was mad. I, I actually, um, at a couple of different points, considered just burning it all down. And I wanted to write a ridiculous tell-all and shoot it all into the stratosphere and just let the fire of the burning bridges light my path. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> I, I probably, need to let this, probably need to write this book all the more. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's really, it's really hard because you, all you want to do is, um, pay people back. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. You, you, you thought that was fun. You thought that was funny. Hmm. Now you're sitting in that hot speed, uh, hot seat. Oh, look what's coming your way. Um, it's, yeah. you just want to pay people back, but it's not good when you do. No, and you know that just as well as I do, how graceless people can be and how relentlessly graceless they can be. And, um, I, I, you know, and I think that that's it because it's a choice. I mean, to, to, to give grace to someone, and I think that there are some people you know, who are like-minded that think it is uh, sanction or that it is complicity or it is just, you're just going to go along with it. You're going to accept it. And that's not what grace is at all. Grace is simply unmerited kindness. And the people who deserve it the least are the best when you really need to kick it into gear the most. And mm-hmm. um, it's, but it is a choice and it's not my first choice. I mean, for crying out loud, you know me, I mean, come on, let's not, not Oh no, I know I mean, it's yeah, not anybody's I mean, first choice. Engaged in fights. I mean, come on. <laughs> It's, uh, but it's really not anybody's first choice. It is, I mean, it goes against 
what I would call the natural man. The natural man defends himself. The natural man swings back. You swing at me, my instinct is to swing harder. Um, right. And and you know the natural man is an enemy of uh, is enemy is an enemy of God. Um, right. We no, we are supposed exactly. to rise above that animal. Exactly, and 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 that's it's kind of, you know it, it really in so many ways it's it's a it's a form of witness. And I have to say that I feel that in terms of persuading because you know I've asked myself too, especially as my kids started getting older and my oldest son now. He wants to go into constitutional law. He did the debate team. He did the whole, all of it. Um, and I was actually kind of discouraging him from, from it, you know, great parenting. But um, I did not want him to think that it, the only acceptable way to respond or handle discussion in the country and in culture was you have to be so flex, so hardcore, and be completely emotionless and uh, believe that any kind of empathy or any kind of, you know, anything is a vulnerability. Grace isn't a vulnerability. And I, you know, I really was, was very cognizant of that. Um, and I, I realized if, if I, if anything, I need to model it for him rather than expecting the political culture to, because that's not going to happen. So at least, you know, if he sees me modeling it for him, then, you know, maybe that's at least something. That's a seed planted, you know, that, and then I'll be happy. Um, but I, I really, because he is, he has such a good heart, and I know that him and his friends, it's a really a lot tougher, I think, for them than it was for me when I was their age. And I, I really wanted them to have that example. Oh, yeah. And so that was part of the emphasis for it. So um, let's go back and, and talk a little bit about um, the the media and the way they're, handling all of this what do you see coming uh, you know we're we're sitting at a time where the media has so discredited themselves that because everything has been a way to get donald trump people on our side of the aisle uh are are less uh willing to accept that coronavirus is a big deal and it it is a big deal it's not that we're all going to die. It's just that we all have to do what we're all supposed to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was an article, where was it? Maybe in the New York Times. I can't remember where it was. It was in a lefty uh, paper. And it, and it was talking about how there will be more conservatives that die from this uh, than liberals. Don't know if that's true or any way to even prove that. Um, however, their point was because liberals are taking this seriously. I think this is because of the press. If the roles were reversed, the exact same thing would be happening in the opposite. Hmm. Yeah. Do you agree or disagree? I think there's something to that. I mean, I, I think that they have made it the way that they have handled this pandemic has, I'm not surprised that they've done it, but I don't know that I'm at the point where I don't think I could ever, as universally speaking, I don't think that I could ever recover my respect for so many in that industry. I think it's, I think it's, it's just, it's something that's irrevocable. It's done. Um, and the way that they have been so gleefully running as intermediates between what China is, is insisting they're, they're trying to, they're engaging in a propaganda war. And we have people in our media that are actually assisting them with this. I just saw a headline that came from Axios. And they were they were going after 
the United States saying that you know, they, the World Health Organization says to stop calling it the Chinese coronavirus, but, Repub- uh, coronavirus, but Republicans, including the president, aren't listening. Yeah, well, you know what? China also bent the World Health Organization over a barrel and insisted that they exclude Taiwan from international meetings about a pandemic. And, and they've also had the World Health Organization praising them just at the end of January for everything that they've done really essentially to help spread this. So I'm really not going to take them as a source of authority on this. And it's insane to me that our press, who should just be watching out for the best interest of the voter, are instead actually watching out for the best interest of communist China. So it's like a, the, mm-hmm. the, full, the full formalization has happened now. I mean, what, they're, they're, they're at where, they're, where, they're, where they've been heading this entire time. And the way that they've handled it has been irresponsible, and it's caused people to even question the caution that they should have towards this. It's caused them to question the recommendations and the guidelines. And that's, that's absolutely irresponsible. Irresponsible reporting can get people killed. Dana, um, thank you so much for being um, who you are and uh, taking everybody along on the, uh, the journey. Uh, Dana does the uh, Dana show on the radio. Of course, you can find her online. Uh, the name of the new book is uh, grace canceled might be a good thing to spend in and uh, spend the next few days while you're at home. If you are at home yet, you will be soon um, just reading and kind of taking a measure of our lives. Dana Lash. Thank you so much. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. I want to talk to the men of America. It's been a while since we've talked, hasn't it? I hope you've been doing well. I miss talking to you. It's been unpopular to even recognize that men even exist or there's a role to play. But I'm talking to you today, I, I want to just address you to give you a heads up. Something's happening, and it's, it's happened before, but something that we really haven't seen in America for most of our lifetimes. In fact, I think that we last saw it about 78 years or so ago. Most of us don't have a frame of reference for this. But the minute I say it or play it, you'll understand the reference. It was 78 years ago that... America heard these words. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. So it was 78 years ago that the the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor and America entered World War II. And the world began to change in a flash. And it was... It was one of those events that altered our day-to-day lives overnight. We were on a path, one that was familiar, one that was sure, and then overnight, gone and reset. In the blink of an eye. And you know what we did? We adapted. We adjusted. We changed to a new path, and we dug deep. We found our courage. We found a way to become new people a focused people a generous and powerful people we became the world's production engine with factories filled by men and now for the first time women who stepped up to do what the world needed and us as a group 
we collectively became men. And men, it was a great era for us. And not for all the reasons that the woke left will tell you why we like that, but because the nature of real men. We worked to conquer the natural man to become better. It was the area, the era where we stood up and we became who we were meant to be, not who we could allow ourselves to become. And yeah, sure, we had to kill a bunch of bad guys, but the uniforms were pretty sweet. The dames of the USO dances, they were dames that didn't blow on some other guy's dice. You know what I'm saying? We got to shoot machine guns, blow stuff up. That didn't suck. We could smoke and nobody lectured us about smoking. Nobody complained if we wanted to have a drink after a long days of work or a firefight in Tunisia, a fist fight to settle our arguments. That wasn't that big of a deal, but that's not what made that great. That's what not, that's not what made a man a man. It was a great era because the world needed men to be men. We were called back to our natural role. The world needed warriors to battle against forces of chaos, to hold the line and prevent humankind from sliding into the abyss of socialism, national socialism, and international socialism called communism. The world needed weapons, bombs, tanks, planes. It needed powerful, terrible, destructive instruments to bring to bear, to help wipe evil from the earth. We became inventors. We became protectors, defenders of those things that are worth defending. And yes, as men, we paid a very heavy price. Most of our grandparents or great-grandparents never spoke about what it was really like. Because they also had to become killers. The world needed killers. We only survived doing what comes naturally to natural man killing because we had trained ourselves through the grace of the creator to rise above the killing and instead focus on becoming liberators. But that generation survived and then came back home and helped the world thrive because they were called to service They put rifles in our grandparents' hands, put ribbons on their chests, and flags over their coffins. And now, men, men of America, it's time again. Hear my voice. Consider yourself on notice. Once again, as it has in the past, the world is in trouble. And it's your turn now to step forward and serve. The world is facing a new crisis, one that threatens to push humankind into the abyss. It's not just the coronavirus, but it starts there. As of today, you're being called to service, not in some generic way. You're being called upon to be a man, to play the old role, to be strong, to be a protector. Yes, to be stoic, brave and confident doesn't mean you're not going to melt down, doesn't mean you're going to cry from time to time. But you need to act with surety even when you're not sure. To lead your household, to be helpful and dedicated, to do your part and risk your life and fortune, to protect those around you, not just your family but your neighbors, to be a part of something larger than yourself, to throw your 
body into the breach and it'll be the doctors both men and women the nurses both men and women who are going to be the first online but this is just the first wave it's been a while it's been a while for the last few decades society not just forgot about men they tried to deny men they forgot they needed men the world's had it that easy we were asked to be gentle and passive and there's nothing wrong with being gentle passive we were asked to mask our manhood that was wrong we were told it was toxic that's a lie the world wanted us to play a different part because they thought they didn't need men anymore well things change usually you need that man overnight let this serve as a wake-up call let this serve as a calling to become a man welcome back american men As a man, as leader of a household, a family, or a business, it's incumbent upon us to adopt the proper mindset. And that means the first thing we have to do is force our brain to realize that this is actually happening. We are facing truly unprecedented disruptions in our normal way of life, at least in the short term, perhaps longer. Our lives are probably going to have to change for a while, and some of the things are going to change possibly forever. As America did during the Spanish flu, the Great Depression, World War II, we have to look at things through a new filter. And yes, it has been that long since an event of this magnitude has happened, which is why you have to force your brain into the right mindset. The normalcy bias is a high barrier to overcome, and that's what a lot of our friends and family members are dealing with right now. The normalcy bias. They've never seen it this way, so they don't, it, they don't, it's easier to dismiss this and look for something normal. It's a natural purpose. It's, an, it's, it's built in all of us to save our lives most of the time. But we don't live in the same world we did just a few weeks ago, and we are not going to be living in a world that we even recognize a few weeks from now at this point you shouldn't be acting as if it might happen we should be behave as if it will happen that doesn't mean that society is going to collapse and we're going to be facing a zombie apocalypse but localized and reason regional disruptions in food supplies energy supplies they are realistic they may not happen widespread but it is realistic And the reason why people freak out and panic is because they're not sure. Well, nothing is going to be sure for a while. So you have to be the rock. Prepare yourself for being that rock, making firm, commanding decisions. Your family is going to be looking to you for leadership and protection. Be calm. Listen to others. Partner with your spouse. I know this is probably going to be taken out of context. Glenn's saying that you men are men and women just go back in the kitchen. That's not what I'm saying. Partner with your spouse. Make clear decisions together for your family. But when it comes to those you shepherd, be decisive. Exude confidence, even when you have doubts, because we all do. Jesus, in his hour, he even had deaths. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus had doubts. Realize 
that the government is there to protect the country, the state, the county, etc. That doesn't mean they're there to protect you. Don't let your family become a refugee or a statistic. Nothing here means the role of women is lessened or of less value than it ever has been. In fact, the world needs them as much, if not more, than us. You know, I'm just going to stop that. I'm going to leave it as much. We both have separate but equal roles to play. They're being called to service, too. As you step into their into your new role, they have to step into theirs. But they need to define that for themselves. I'm a man. Let me speak to the men. The world needs men. What's worked in other countries to slow down COVID-19 is to shut everything down, shut shopping down, shut down events, shut down travel, shut down workplaces, quarantine people in their homes. That prevents the spread. That prevents people from dying. That's what we should expect to happen here. But we are a republic. We don't want the government doing these things. We have to do them ourselves. For several weeks, at least, the changes to social behavior, like wearing a surgical mask in public and not shaking hands, whatever it is, that's going to be going on until there's a vaccine. But you're not called to just fight a pandemic. COVID-19 is just a pin that's popping the bubble. The bubble is what you really need to worry about because this is a two-wave disaster. The first wave is a disaster of a deadly disease. If we don't act, it threatens to kill millions of our friends and family and neighbors all around the world. Millions. Because they could literally weld people, seal people into, into iron rooms and weld their doors closed in China they got past it. We're not going to do that. We're not going to follow people with drones. God help us if the government thinks they have to or, or do. But as bad as the viral pandemic could be, the next wave will be worse. The economic pandemic that follows threatens to be exponentially worse. Disruptions to the global supply chain have barely been felt. Warehouses that feed the grocery stores are starting to run out of food. They, we're not going to have a run on the grocery stores. Don't make it worse. But they are trying really hard to make sure that they have food and people to ship them. The consequences are big. What's happening in the global economy now has never happened before. Realize that. Never. The consequences will be nothing short of revolutionary change. But we're ready. We're more than ready. We're going to be just fine. We're built for this. God wrote the script. Our character description is pretty darn clear. The world isn't going to end, but we're going through a significant season change. Ready yourself. Be prepared to protect and defend your family. Because that is your job. That's the job everybody's been getting you to try to deny for a long time. But that is your God-given job. And for once, the world is going to realize they need us to unite. They need us to be men. And each of us play our role again.